guests, welcome along to a very happy 2015. Uh, new year, new look for the Dingo. This is, as usual, the Dingo Unchained. I am the Fantasy Dingo. The fantasy football season is over, so we are broadening the scope here. And on the Dingo Sports Network, we'll be analysing any and all sports news as the coming months come along. As usual, we have our DSN special analyst, fresh off a steady, steady holiday diet of college football bowls. Uh, and other assorted goods. Adam Risman. Adam, welcome along. Thank you. I don't need any more chicken wings for the rest of 2015. I think I've hit my quota. Are you Are you at home or are you in Miami? Because the intro music makes me think it's the latter. It's, uh, unfortunately, I'm channeling Miami over here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, looking over a beautiful, uh, beautiful sunset. And, uh, of course, Adam coming to us from the East Coast today. Uh, chicken wings. Was that at the Croxley Ale House? Were you eating the chicken wings there, Adam? This uh... Uh, started much earlier than that, but I did. I did hit the Croxley's Ale House in uh, Williamsburg over the weekend for the last batch of divisional playoff games, and I'm I've been day to day since. Is it? Were you thinking? Was it boneless or bone in? I'm bone in, but there were some boneless on the table that I may have dabbled in. <laughs> Just straight up nuggets. If, you, if you're in New York City at any stage and you're looking for the cheapest nuggets in the known universe, Croxley's Ale House in there in Williamsburg, uh, we have a lot to cover today. As you mentioned, there was an amazing raft of games over the weekend. Uh, we've got the look ahead to the NFC and AFC championships this weekend. Uh, the college football bowl just, we had the championship game on Monday, plus there's a lot of NBA news. Wants to kick us off with a round of studs and stinkers to see what, exactly what's studly and what's stinky in the news this week. And I want to start off with some NBA and get your opinion on, on some news coming out of Cleveland today. David Blatt is under fire there at the Cavaliers. They've just dipped below 500. Uh, LeBron is back, but they're still looking awful. Cleveland, stud or stinker, do they have the capacity to turn their season around at this stage? Cleveland... They thought this would be the year that they finally rid themselves in the stench, but this is a stinky situation. They're 1-9 in their last 10 games. Players like Marquise Morris are setting career highs on them. They have, they have nothing in the post, and I know we're going to talk about trades later, but they gave away twice as many first-round picks for Timothy Mozgov mm. as the Mavericks gave up to get Rajon Rondo. Uh, they're grasping for straws right now, and doesn't look good, and it sounds like Kevin Love may be open to leaving, in which case they've given up uh, our, our favorite, Anthony Fatty Bennett, as well as the probably Rookie of the Year for um, one year of Kevin Love. So that's, that's no good. And, and what do you think about Kyrie Irving? Is he a potential good stats on a bad team guy? Do you think that he, he can be the number two, like, Dwayne Wade was in Miami for this team? Well, as a fellow Australian, I love Kyrie, uh, born in Melbourne, born and raised for about uh, 60 seconds in Melbourne. Uh, so I've wanted to believe in him this year. I haven't loved what I've seen. The problem for me is that is that you've got too many cooks in the kitchen there in Cleveland. I know it's been talked about a bit, but Blatt doesn't seem to have any control over the team. Uh, you've got LeBron, who thinks that he's a general manager, a coach, and a star player, and it's very difficult for anyone to play all those different roles. And then Kyrie is meant to be this third great player, but I don't know how he fits that well with Kevin Love. I don't know how he fits that well with LeBron, and no one plays defense. Are you? They brought in Mozgov for his banging ability. Are you a Mozgov believer? 
I am uh, I am out on Timothy Mozgov as a starting NBA center, particularly on a team with championship aspirations. I'm out on just about everything on this roster right now. I think that Kyrie needs the ball in his hand to be effective, and that limits what LeBron can do. Mm-hmm. He needs the ball in his hand to be effective, and unless Kyrie can get his three-point shooting percentage up, that that just doesn't seem like the right um, the right combo to me. I mean, he's only shooting 36% from three, and uh, as much as uh, I like to make fun of Mario Chalmers for being Kansas Jayhawk, uh, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, KU, sorry, you can bleep that out. Um, <laughs> At least he could make his three-pointers when LeBron had the ball. So I, I'm out on that. But what I am in on, I, there's one thing I'm in on this team, and I don't know if you caught the first uh, quotes that our, our, one of our favorite chefs in the kitchen, J.R. Smith, gave out. He got to Cleveland. They asked him how he would do as far as adjusting to this new system and not knowing any plays. And uh, our good friend J.R. said, when in doubt, he shoots the ball. It's such a great. I mean, you couldn't have picked, you couldn't have written a better quote for the guy. At least he knows who he is, and I actually like that about Dion Waiters as well. I thought they looked okay when Waiters was on the court. I know he shoots a lot. Uh, he's now over in Oklahoma City, and he's just sort of clapping his hands for the ball in amongst Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Amazing confidence for a young man. But they moved Waiters along. They brought in Shump. I don't think that we, we've seen much of an effect there. We can't really. It's probably too early to tell what what the effect of bringing Shump in is going to be. Uh, J.R. Smith sitting on the bench. It, it seems to be a mess there in Cleveland. So uh, the Cavs. We'll see what happens over the next over the next couple of months. But and obviously they'll probably sneak into the the playoffs. But they don't look like the force they're going to be. Another article uh, was published by Sports Illustrated today uh, called "The Sun Hasn't Set on Peyton Manning." Of course, we had a stinky game for Peyton on Sunday. We'll talk about that in a little more detail soon. But Peyton Manning uh, looked bad, but has looked fantastic for the last couple of years, with the exception of the last three or four weeks. Is his career over? What are you hearing on the ground? Uh, or should he come back for another tilt next year? They're saying that he, uh, he had a torn torn muscle in his thigh. Is that Torn quad. Yeah, torn all quad. The, all the flying ducks through there in Denver? Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to come back until they let John Fox go. And changing coaches to me seems like the first wave of let's take Manning that gets boxed out of here. It didn't happen. So if Whether Peyton, or not he does that, I have no idea. If Peyton does walk, are you thinking this is a Brock Osweiler job? The the options there for quarterback next year for teams seem fairly limited. Uh, the the draft has obviously Mariota and and Winston and maybe Bryce Petty and and not a lot in terms of of depth at quarterback. Your free agents, you've probably got someone like Brian Hoyer who might be your best option on the free agent how market. Do you, how do you feel about a, a 
Jay Cutler redemption story in his pony's back. Wow. I see Jay Cutler's destiny actually in a different team. I see him down at Tennessee next year. I like I like him in that uh in that offense which doesn't have much else going. I think the problem with Chicago is he's got too many weapons and he it, it makes him look worse than he really is uh when he can't get the ball to him. Tennessee the expectation is going to be super low. So I don't see Jay in Denver. Is Brock ready? We have no idea if Brock is ready or not. Here's here's what we know. We know one thing about Brock. He's six foot seven. He's huge. Maybe six foot eight. Like like some other people that that we've encountered in our lives that just keep growing over time. He's really, really, really tall. He may be six nine by now. I don't know. Still growing. But if you happen to find an archived video on YouTube from the two thousand twelve, um, sorry, two thousand eleven Missouri versus Arizona State game, he was literally growing every quarter as the announcers would announce his height. <laughs> Little and my, my issue with that is when you're defining skill as a quarterback, if look how tall he is, I don't know what that says for your abilities as a quarterback. Great thing, great thing in basketball to be seven feet tall. Difficult at quarterback. Uh, you can see over everyone else, but uh, that's about probably where it stops. I don't know. I would love to see Brock given a chance there. He was a second-round pick, I think, in 2012. If I'm not, if well, I'm not because, of, because of his size. Mm. You know who else was drafted because of his size? Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> well, there could be a redemption well, story for him there in San Francisco next year. You know how I feel about a redemption story. I know. So, uh, okay, so we're, we're positively both on the side of Peyton Manning trying to walk off into the sunset there with his stinky head held high. Another guy uh, been written about a lot this week, and this kind of comes out of the blue a little bit, but our good friend, good friend of the show, Lee Jenkins, Sports Illustrated, has written a very long-form, in-depth profile called The Man Behind the Swag, Nick Young. Uh, it's about Nick Young as this sort of happy-go-lucky, fresh face of the NBA is Nick Young being wasted on the Lakers roster behind Kobe Bryant, who it has been rumored he's been fighting with a little bit this year? Is he wasted on the Lakers roster? Is there a place you'd rather see Nick Young? And and in general, are you thinking Swaggy P is a bust, or is he a stud going forward into the, into the future of the NBA? I think that he is a bust on a contender and a stud on a Tank City pretender. <laughs> Why I would like to see... I would like to see Nick Young acquired by either a return to the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, wow. That'd be beautiful. Or let's get him on the New York Knicks. Yes. Carmelo Anthony about to get shut down with an E problem. Let's see Swaggy P take those shots that J.R. Smith's not taking anymore. Oh. Uh, with no Kobe Bryant in front of him. And this is this is what I loved about Everyone should read this Lee Jenkins article. What I loved about it is you see guys like J.R. Smith who get so much publicity for their antics, and they're just they're, they're negative antics. Mm-hmm. This guy's doing some really amazing stuff, like buying laptops and iPhones on the American Express black card, uh, Gilbert Arenas, for <laughs> <laughs> chicken and waffles for free game meals, maybe Yankee Azalea, and maybe it's because I'm on the East Coast, and all I know about is Darius Smith going clubbing with Brianna and tying people's shoes, but I want to see him in New York the meatpacking district, running this next show, guaranteeing them the first or second pick in the draft. Everybody wins. The Clown Prince of New York. It's, it's, a, it's almost the only location for him, I think, at this stage. Uh, 
I think he'd be great in Los Angeles too if Kobe retired. If if he started to get a, a false sense that he that this was his team, if he could be on a team where it's this is this is Nick Young's team, that could result in 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 some great things. I think he's a bit shadowed by Kobe there at the moment, and, and his personality is just waiting to blossom. I think a Knicks trade should be good. I mean, and they're looking to trade everyone. I, I've heard Bagnani is on the on the chopping board. Uh, Anyone and everyone. Jose Calderon. Calderon. Um, the problem here is both teams, well, they're both so terrible, that, but the team that really needs to protect their terribleness is the Lakers. Because mm. If they don't have, I think it's a top five pick. Yeah. It goes to Phoenix as part of the Steve Nash trade. Yep. And that could set them back two years. I mean, if they, Julius Randle next year will basically be his rookie year. Yep. You're still going to have Kobe on the books doing exactly what he's doing right yep. now. Yeah. Probably more because he's going to be miserable. He's going to cash checks. Yep. And you're going to have to wait another year to get a first round pick. So. Oh wow. Let's let's uh, should we start a free free swaggy P campaign on Twitter? I would love that. I would love that. He's about the only good thing on the Lakers right now, except for Carlos Boozer, who's doing some amazing work there as well. What about Robert Sacre? Robert Sacre, the greatest uh, greatest hype man ever in the NBA. He's incredible. He has great quotes of the story too. Tell he loves Nick I think they get along very well. Staying with the NBA here, uh, there's an article came out today why the Pistons are playoff bound and the Thunder may miss out. Question for you, Adam. Did cutting Josh Smith single-handedly turn around Detroit's season and should more teams do the same thing? Who is there on your top of your list of players who you would cut immediately and see great results for a team? So I, I think that I'd put the Pistons and the Thunder both on my stud list. I think both these teams are mm. making the playoffs in of their respective division. I watched the Pistons on back-to-back nights on the road beat the San Antonio Spurs on a Brandon Jennings buzzer beater, fly mm. up to Dallas that, that after that game immediately, and then beat the Mavericks in Dallas. And that game wasn't even close. That's stunning. I, they are on a, I mean, they're on a roll. Brandon Jennings is playing just completely out of his skin. Uh, he's the Brandon Jennings who... I know you've always truly believed exists in there somewhere, but only pops out for very special appearances. Mostly on video games. Mostly on video uh, games. Mostly on video games. It's like when a guy tears his ACL, and they're... I, I, I imagine that when the Pistons signed Josh Smith, it was like they, they metaphorically tore their team's ACL. It took a year and a half, two years to recover, just by firing the guy, and all of a sudden they've come back faster, the knee is stronger, their guys actually play in position. As far as other guys that I think could be fired and make their team better, well, one of them got traded this week, so that's J.R. Smith. <coughs> the Cavs in their position, I don't think that firing him would make them any better at all. I don't think they'd notice. I, I don't think I don't think they'd know. I don't think they would have any clue whatsoever. No. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say firing Mario Chalmers from the Heat. They've Ooh. bombing a little bit, and I just hate Mario Chalmers. I, I like him. I like that. A bit more Shabazz Na- uh, Napier play there. Let's, let's, let's get Shabazz up there. He's already, you know, he's actually played pretty well. That pick was ridiculed. LeBron James was the general manager of the Heat before he became the general manager of the Cavs. Yeah. They essentially made that draft pick before uh, forcing Pat Riley to, to fly to Las Vegas, even though he'd already been working on a Sports Illustrated article that he was leaving. Anyway. Uh, so that's, that's probably the, the cancer that I would cut now that JR is gone. Although also, Bargnani, I think you could cut him. Bargnani's the guy I thought of. I think Bargnani's the kind of, like, you could cut him. 
Still pay him if you have to. Well, I think he's in probably an expiring contract. You're not going to get a trade for that guy. No, and, um, you know, another guy that hasn't been in this position before, although not currently because as of today he's unemployed, Nate Robinson. Nate Rob. Nate Nate Rob's on the market. Did they wave, did the Celtics wave Nate Rob? The Celtics wave Nate Rob. Where do you want to see Nate Rob go? I want to see him join uh, maybe the Clippers uh, to reunite with uh, UW great Spencer Hawes. Think he could he could perform well there. Uh, they need they need some help on that bench. That could be a, a landing spot for him. He said, "I, I saw love that move. he I said love that, that he, move for two reasons. Means they need bench scoring. They need mm-hmm. bench everything, and it also sort of cock blocks them for picking up Austin Rivers, who will not make anything better at all." That I agree. I saw that Austin can Rivers. Can we also label Scotty Brook, coach of the Thunder, as maybe what a Josh Smith cut potential? <laughs> maybe, maybe Scotty Brooks, maybe Scotty Brooks and Sam Presti together. Place. Maybe those two guys, Scotty Brooks and Sam Presti together, being cut would make the the Thunder a better team. Uh, yeah, I see. Nate Rob came out and said that he wanted to sign with a contender. So, and there's obviously no room for him there on the Celtics because the Celtics are building the greatest tank team. They are rivaling the 76ers for a tank team. There is literally Jay Crowder is getting. Super big minutes and scoring they're, a they're lot of points on the rotation right now. Marcus, Marcus Smart is just figuring out what he's doing out there. Yep. And Evan Turner playing point guard at some some points in the yep. game. And then uh, the great Phil Pressy. Oh, what a great, what a great, uh, what a great so backcourt. They have no room. They have they have no room for anybody. No. So I, I'm glad that they waived him. I'm glad he didn't waste his time going up there to the 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 northeast. Also, the problem with Boston for Nate is that it takes him too far away from Nate's Wings and Waffles here in Seattle. And uh, that five-hour commute to work every day would just in the in the private jet would just be a killer for him. So uh, Have you been yet? I would, I, would actually, I would actually have more wings in 2015 if they were coming from Nate's Wings and Waffles. I have not. Uh, I've, no, I have a few friends who have been and have raved about the Red Velvet Waffle there at, at oh Nate's Wings Lord. and Waffles. So... I will be getting back there. Uh, actually, tomorrow I am. I am scheduled tomorrow to scout scouting the uh, Oregon State UW Husky basketball game, uh, which puts Gary Payton Jr. up against Sean Kemp Jr., which is just a, a oh, mouth watering, wow. mouth watering matchup. And uh, Father's Day? Are the dads going to be there? I don't. Sean Kemp Sr. very rarely makes an appearance at Husky Husky Stadium, but, but maybe or the. Uh, I don't know where I don't know where Sean Kemp Senior is right now, uh, but Sean Kemp Junior has been having a great season, and uh, and there is a possibility that maybe we could hit Nate's wings, Nate's wings and Waffles before that game because there'd be nothing more appropriate. But I'll tell you what: as soon as I've hit Probably Nate's wings and Waffles, we tried to go. We tried to go. We, to go. we saw Nate. It closed between lunch and dinner, mm. but we did see Nate Robinson outside ordering chicken. I think putting in a, a, a call to the supplier. Very hands on. So I see him. I see him there on the on the west coast of the Clippers. Hey, one more question for you, Adam. Uh, in this this little lightning round of studs and stinkers, uh, defense continues to plague Duke. Uh, what is going on at Duke University? They've lost back to back games. Is this the end for Coach K? Are they going to turn it around? What are your thoughts on the early parts of this uh, college basketball season? If you've had any time at all in in amongst all your bowl games uh, to catch a game or two. Well, I'm just making the shift in the in the college basketball, and it's a little bit later than usual because my college football team, the Missouri Tigers, very successful, played all the way through New Year's Day. M I Z. Uh, their basketball team 
is an abomination. And they did not <laughs> score 40 points last night against Kentucky. I think they lost 86 to 38. Yikes. Um, and I actually, I called the under on that on a text message people about halftime. I said, unless the, uh, the the White Walkers, which is what I call the walk-ons at the end of the bench in Kentucky, come in with five minutes or more left, they're not cracking 40 points. But uh, I'm, I'm high on Duke, actually. So Duke, Duke lose two games in a row. The loss um, yesterday uh, against at home against Miami was a bad loss. But before that, they won 14 games in a row, yeah. including against Michigan State on a neutral site and at Wisconsin, which is a, a hot Final Four pick, mm-hmm. season pick, and a very veteran-laden team, whereas Duke, this is this is what a team that it, where your leaders are freshmen, they got Jaleel Okafor, is probably going to be the first pick in the upcoming draft, NBA draft. Mm-hmm. And their third thing scorer is also a freshman, Justice Winslow. That's what a team like that is supposed to look like. They're going to get rough patches. They're not going to operate like Kentucky, where you just have platoons and platoons of lottery picks, and you know their bench is better than all your starters. That's that's just not how it works. I am worried about their next five games, though. I don't know if you've looked at their schedule. I have not. How deep you've gone at Dukey Research. Not that deep. But four of their next five games are on the road, and those games include at number six, Louisville, at number 12, Notre Dame, and at number two, UVA. That is a tough lineup. So I think we're going to find out pretty quickly what the Blue Devils are made of. But uh, Coach Coach K, I say Coach K because we can't pronounce his last name. How do you think you pronounce his last name? Uh, it's got a, I think it's got, I know it's got more consonants than vowels. Uh, I know it's got fewer vowels than you would think. Chris, Chris, uh, I, I know it's a KR. So, so it's technically Krzyzewski, but it looks like Krzyzewski. Krzyzewski, yeah, that's how I would be. That's the direction I'd be going. So, well, I think we'll find out pretty soon. But I, I'm high on this Duke team. I like them. Okay. I like them in March specifically. We'll be, uh, we'll be able to tap back into some college basketball. I'll, as I said, I'll be scouting the Huskies live courtside tomorrow, and uh, we'll tap back in a little bit more as, as the weeks go on and, and March approaches. But right now we are just thick into football season. And uh, in in the playoffs, there are four teams remaining. And last week's uh, last weekend's games, I thought was some of the highest quality football that you that I've seen in a very long time. Uh, starting on Saturday afternoon, where the Ravens went down fighting to the Pats, thirty-five to thirty-one, and the Pats sort of snuck away with it in the end through a, a mixture of trickery and uh, and and just it's very a uh, very strong play. Joe Flacco in that first half impressed me in a in a in a great way. We saw a side of Flacco that I thought we hadn't seen throughout the rest of the regular season. How impressed were you with with Joe? And at what stage did you think that the that the Pats? At what stage did you think the Pats were actually going to get up and win that game uh, on Saturday afternoon? So I think we've established over the past couple of years that regular season Flacco and playoff Flacco are very different people, and the problem for fancy athletes like you and I, mm. is your last impression is always playoff Flacco. <coughs> yes. That's what you go into the draft with. That's why you pick him up in the ninth or 10th round. Flacco. So <laughs> let's put that on a sticky note somewhere to bring back up in, say, July, August, because someone makes the same mistake every year. Well, I, even I was watching it on uh, Saturday, I was thinking, wow, maybe Flacco is going to continue this form into the regular season next year. 
and maybe he would be worth a flyer at quarterback, but you're right. He just doesn't put up the numbers in the regular season that, that other quarterbacks do. This, this game was wild, though, and I honestly didn't even... But you had that whole thing at the end where they, they miscalculated their kneel-down Patriots mm-hmm. and you know, uh, they were going to have to punt to Jacoby Jones. and I didn't think this game was over until it was actually over. Mm. But and, and actually, that that Julian Edelman, the Danny Amendola pass, which was a thing of beauty, and I, I know these are guys that you've had on your roster routinely, just must have had you salivating for that in the regular season. Why couldn't they have pulled that out? Well, I would have loved a 60, a 60 or 70-yard passing touchdown from Julian Edelman during the regular season would have been uh, fantastic for his fantasy value. Although he was very consistent throughout the year, seeing as Tom Brady has no one else to throw to. Apart from oh, well, Danny Amendola now. I think, I think he may have played some quarterback in college. Yeah, he so, did. He's a quarterback uh, turn wide receiver. And, and Amendola may have been a high school quarterback, I believe. I thought uh, Amendola was dead. Second place. I thought, he, I thought he died and left that roster until the last couple of weeks where he has just suddenly come alive as one of Brady's favorite receivers. Well, that, see, that's the thing. You... you, you die a little bit each time you have a concussion and then they resuscitate you over uh, some sort of very sketchy protocol in about two weeks and you're back. Uh, Julian Edelman's quarterback rating in that game, a perfect 158.3 with a perfect 100 QBR. That is amazing. Not saying, not saying there's a quarterback controversy. That is, well. <laughs> my favorite thing of the entire game has to be those crazy formations where Shane Vereen is all of a sudden your offensive lineman yep. and all, I mean all that stuff's legal it's super creative and if you know it's coming it's something that's very easy to work around but when you don't you get a uh, reaction like uh, Senior Hardball did so John, John Harbaugh or Jim John Harbaugh right that's I mean, John Harbaugh out there yeah I'd never uh, seen it. Johnny, I'd H, never... Johnny H was, was not happy about those plays what, how'd you feel about that well, I'd never seen anything like it. I had no idea you could do anything like that. I, I mean, I'm still trying to get my head around what an eligible receiver really is. Uh, it seems it seems like an interesting concept. But I understand that if you line up as a lineman, that makes you ineligible, correct? Correct, yeah. So they're putting Vereen out there on the right, far out on the right-hand side, and he kind of just drops back and as if he's blocking. And then he he's not allowed to catch the ball at any stage. No. Although I think you may be able to catch a backwards pass because that is a lateral. Right. So I think hypothetically on, say, the Julian Edelman touchdown pass, mm-hmm. if he if he catches that ball from Brady behind him, um, which I think he has to anyway in order to be able to throw the ball in that play, yeah. he could still have been an ineligible receiver and get the ball. It just it just reminds me that it reminds me that Bill Belichick, guys like Bill Belichick, Greg Popovich they have two things, they're, they're sort of weird magic geniuses, and they purely exist to mess with either a fantasy football player, a fantasy football fan who's who's got a player playing in that game. Uh, like Jonas Gray. Like Jonas Gray, yeah. Who, you know, who was not active in this game. Precisely, not active, and then never active again after scoring a 40, 40 fantasy point week. Uh, and to mess with the opposing coaches, you know, it, it's, it's, it's great, you need guys like that. And without those those little moves, they probably don't score on that drive, and they probably don't win that game. Here's the last thing I'll say about this game, though. I don't I don't think they wanted. They've had those plays in the book for a long time. I don't think they wanted to bring them out at this point. 
Oh, you think it was that yeah. still further down the line. And the fact that they – I don't think they went into this game as a home game thinking that Baltimore was going to give them the fits that they did. And having yeah. to break that out gives them a little bit less artillery in the coming weeks. And I don't know if that will be as big of a deal against Indianapolis, but whoever looming from the NFC, should they beat Indianapolis, I think that's when they would have wanted to break this stuff out. Last, last, my last thing on this game. Steve Smith Senior is my favorite wide receiver of all time. Why? He is he is the feistiest, most tenacious thirty five year old five foot nine man I've ever seen play play maybe any sport. The way he he brought it out onto the field against guys who are much bigger, much faster than him, and just wins through sheer tenacity and aggressiveness and and really sticking it up in his opponent's face, I think is is fantastic. And I, I think he's great to come back next year. I don't see why he wouldn't come back and, and play another season at this stage. I I hope for your sake that he does. He very quietly had a 1,000 yard season this year. He did. He had an amazing first seven or eight weeks. He went a bit quiet in the second half and was actually dropped from the Dingo roster. So, uh, But he, he got it. He got a lot of good wins for, for fantasy owners early on in the season. Uh, that evening, we moved from uh, from the cold uh, northeast over to the slightly warmer and foggy Pacific Northwest, where the Panthers went down to the Seahawks 17-31. to uh, It was a game that was kind of close for the first, uh, first two and a half and three quarters. And then Russell Wilson, who really took it up a notch this week, uh, took the game away from the Panthers. He's starting to form a good relationship with his tight end, Luke Wilson, uh, he made some absolute bullet passes over the top. Marshawn Lynch never really got going, um, but this was a win that was that was based in in solid defense and a, and a great performance by Russell against a team in the Panthers, which which were sort of un, underperforming throughout the regular season, but really did come along in the last few weeks. And 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 Cam especially, I thought, did very well to step up and play the way he played on Saturday night. I okay. I think we can reveal some bias here. You are huge Seahawks fan. Huge. Adopted the Hawks. Go Hawks. Does this does this performance? Because I and I, they came alive in the fourth quarter. I was I was very underwhelmed in the first half. Yeah. Does this performance give you extra confidence going into the next matchup against Green Bay? You are at home. Or does it make you feel a little nervous about that? Do you it's, feel better or worse about the team as a result of this game? Probably neutral. I was disappointed that they couldn't get the run going. But I feel like the Panthers came out to try and stop the run. Um, I don't know. They, they're they kind of lacking in a, a little bit of imagination sometimes. Uh, and the defense didn't look as good as I thought. I thought the pass rush looked weak, especially in the first half. And... And they stepped it up a little bit. Cam's obviously a bit banged up, so they, they kind of got over the top. Uh, I, th- I still feel confident about their you know the capacity of big Green Bay, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, but I was impressed particularly with the way in which Wilson started to form a connection with guys like Doug Baldwin and guys like Luke Wilson. You know, these are, these are receivers who have zero... Uh, they're, they're not big-name receivers out there who you, who you think about each week as... as being powerful offensive weapons, and so I think they they're starting to build a, a bit of a, a a rapport, and and Wilson's passing game is, is able to get them over the top in these games when Lynch can't get going. Well, okay, so I I did not know who the uh, 
the football player Luke Wilson was until <laughs> this game. Yes. I know I, I do see he's been on the roster for the entire season and actually had two touchdowns against Arizona in week sixteen. Yes. Although I don't know who who didn't score two touchdowns in that game. Yes. If you're a Seahawk. <laughs> uh, but I I'm worried about the Paul Richardson. Yeah, he's out. Because I liked I liked what he he brought to the table. I know he had a quiet rookie year, but he seemed to be picking it up a little bit and uh, looked good in the the earlier postseason game. Yeah. Um, I, I I think that while while Green Bay's secondary is not the greatest, it's Russell Wilson's going to have to get creative to, to find these guys in space because he's he's almost running out of options. Well, Kevin Norwood uh, can sort of come in and step into that Paul Richard, Richard, Richardson role a little bit. He is their third receiver. Curse is probably their second receiver. He scored an incredible touchdown. Uh, UW great Jermaine Curse, who uh, was completely average in college, but but has sort of come along a little bit uh, there on the Hawks. Yeah, th- there is a concern around depth uh, there at the Hawks. So so lucky to kind of pull out a win, and lucky to come up an opponent against an opponent in the Panthers there. So you think they've had the bye, they've beaten the Panthers. They really haven't proven themselves fully yet in this playoff run, but it's a solid start, I think, ahead of the, the matchup against Green Bay this week. And so speaking of Green Bay, the Green Bay-Dallas game, the early game on Sunday, a close game. A great game. game. Great game. A great game. What what were your takeaways from, from that matchup? I, as a Seahawks fan, I was happy in the end that, that Green Bay won. I feel, I thought Cowboys looked so dangerous every time they got the ball. Uh, every time Romo had the ball in his hands, you just felt he could do something. And DeMarco Murray has been has been great. I know their offensive line gets a lot of credit, and obviously that that makes sense. But he's looked fantastic. He looked great there uh, on the weekend. Des Bryant, of course, made that catch, which I'm sure... Uh, pissed you off as a Dallas native uh, when that was reversed, and I, I think that was a bad. Uh, it's a it's bad a thing rule. that that should be. It's terrible a yeah, rule. shocking rule. It's, it, if, it's, if you have a rule that you cannot explain clearly on television in a, in a way that makes sense to anyone, it is a rule that needs to be fixed. Yeah. Uh, three three steps. First of all, three steps. You really only need two to have possession, and then he lunges. Towards the goal line, if, yep. if you try to push the ball across the line is not a football move. Trying to score points, trying to score points is not a, a, a move common to the game. As the the guy uh, Mike Pereira, their ref guy in Fox, tried to explain it. Yeah, then I, I I don't know what is, and I don't know what I've been watching for the last twenty six years of my life. Mm-hmm. But I, I think what gets overshadowed though is as amazing as that catch was, and there's only a handful of players that could make that catch yeah. in the NFL. Um, the fact that it, that it came to that, it, it, it shouldn't have come down that first of all. I think that DeMarco Murray's fumble, and I think the third quarter, where he would have had 50-yard touchdown, yeah. and Julius Peppers' amazing play to sort of reach back and, and pull that out. That was incredible. Murray actually, the, as great as Murray's been, he's been the leading rusher in the NFL this year. He also very quietly had, I think, five fumbles. And didn't do a great job holding onto the ball. Yeah, that that would have been seven points there, and was a drive that that resulted in nothing and, and got Green Bay the ball. Yeah, and that was I think just as big of a play. And then also the the play calling on that drive where where we had the dead no catch catch third and two. We'll never know what the original play was because Romo killed it. Yeah, but he 
ends up throwing deep, 30-yard pass to the end zone, trying to get to to Terrence Williams. And so then you're stuck with fourth and two, and he throws that fade to to Dez. Yeah. You have if you, you know you're going to go for it on fourth down. A field goal does you nothing. You have Demarco Murray. He's averaging five yards a carry. You have Joseph Randall, who came in for a couple plays and looked very good. Yeah. You can get. You're going to get two yards. You might not get all at once. You're going to get two yards on two carries behind that offensive line. But and the fact that they didn't do that, and the whole story of this team this year, how they started leaning on the run, to give Romo space and time, and to keep the defense on their toes. They reverted back to the old Cowboys there. Yeah. And that was infuriating. But the performance. The, last, sorry, go on. The last thing is. I'm in bit mode. The last thing is, let's just say that is a catch. It's not overturned, and they score on the next play. They're up by, well, they'll go for two, try to get up by three. So they're either up by three or they're up by one if mm-hmm. they don't get the two-point conversion. You're giving the ball to Aaron Rodgers with four and a half minutes yeah. to drive down the field. I still am not convinced they win the game. Yeah. No, well, it, it, on the coaching thing for a second, the coaching performance was good enough to get Jason Garrett a five-year extension uh, today or yesterday. So I, I think they like what they're doing there, but I totally agree. Third and two, and you've got DeMarco Murray running the ball. I know he, he'd lost that fumble earlier on, but running the ball incredibly well apart from that. I'm not sure why you don't run the ball in one of those things. Against a Green Bay defense that wasn't defending, that doesn't defend the run that well. So... I don't know. Sad for Cowboys fans. Sad for Jerry. I thought he really think, he really had something this year. I think that was DeMarco Murray's last game in a Cowboys uniform. I don't think they re-signed him. No, I agree. Are there, someone's going to offer too much money. I could see them bringing Adrian Peterson back to Dallas. They've, both parties have already expressed interest in that. Obviously, pre-scandal. Yes. That just lowers the price tag. Yes. And I think that they'll aim in the second and third round to, to try to draft a, draft a running back and maybe sign for Buddy as well. But I think that's, that's Marco's last game in the Cowboys uniform. Well, it was quite a way to go out, and uh, and the Cowboys lost there. We haven't talked about Rodgers and, and his injury much, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second when we look at the game against the Seahawks this week. Uh, the final game of the weekend was Colts against the Broncos, which I thought was the sloppiest game of the four. Uh, just from a purely uh, visual aesthetic oh, standpoint, you know, luck looked good, and obviously luck is is the future. Manning is the past. It's very easy to sort of create a narrative around that, but it was worse than that. It was just it, Manning just looked like he was unhealthy, and, and if it was anyone but Peyton Manning, that he might have been benched at some stage in that second half. I think you're right, and I, I I thought you know that this was both in terms of the sloppiness and. The fact that it was an 11 point game, it really never even felt that close. This is the most surprising outcome of the weekend. Mm-hmm. I will say that I had, in my picks, Denver locked in very early. And then when the game started and I found out that Trent Richardson was inactive, I started to get a little nervous. Yeah. Maybe the Colts could pull this off. Maybe they could actually get something done without him. Is he, is he the Josh Smith in the NFL? How bad is Trent Richardson that he can't make uh, the active roster there as, as this prized. Uh, well, trade. What, what did they trade for him? A first round pick? Two first, first round picks? pick. First round, first round pick. First round pick that became uh, Johnny Mandel, I believe. There you go. So, I mean, it, it, unbelievable how bad he must have become. Uh, the Colts. Well, I, I will say this in, in Trent Richardson's in Trent Richardson's favor, their owner is known for doing two things in the past two years. One is trade for 
Trent Richardson and tweeting that he was making a blockbuster trade for the greatest fans in the world. And the other is for getting pulled over high on a bunch of pills with a suitcase full of illegally acquired pills. So, Whether or not he was on those pills when he made the trade, that's... That's only, only Jim Ursay knows that. Only, only he and, and Tebow and God know. But <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad uh, what's happened to Trent. The Colts do look good. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll talk about this in a sec, but I don't know how they go against the Pats this weekend. Uh, Andrew Luck, though, looks like he will. If they could get him a running back there with, with any kind of value. I guess he did have a Mard Bradshaw there earlier this year who's seen, who has played pretty well. He's got a broken foot, though, and it's all, it's all about the boom now. Yes. All about the boom, Daniel. Uh, Seven yards to carry. Yeah, that's right. So... We'll see how they go this week. Let's have a look at this week. Uh, Packers, they're currently on, on our good friends, uh, Bovada.com. Well, Brovada is there, as they're well known. Packers plus seven and a half at the Seahawks. Uh, I've got this one going. I've got the Hawks by three uh, on this one. Who who are you? Who do you think is going to pull this one out? I, I do think that Seattle wins the game. I think that you mentioned that they looked a little vanilla last week, and I think that we talked about how the Pats sort of had to break out some stuff they might not have wanted to do so early in the, in mm-hmm. the bracket. And I think that while that game was sloppy in the first half of Carolina, I think that Seattle sort of played things close to the vest, similar to you know late-season games against Arizona when they didn't have quarterbacks and things like that, where yeah. they really knew that they could lock it down in the second half and, yeah. and keep some of their cards. I think they're going to have to play some of those this week, but... Um, you know, we saw against Dallas that if you if you run up the gut against Green Bay, you can have a ton of success. And I, I really like Marshawn Lynch to sort of go out with a bang in this game. Um, Green Bay, I think Green Bay will cover. I think that it, it, it could be close. It, I'm looking for the backdoor cover here, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they could cover as well. Rodgers looked, Rogers looked good in the second half, great in the fourth, great in the fourth quarter. And absolutely awful in the first half. I wonder if that means that he's going to make the adjustments that he made in the second half this week and come out a lot better, or if he's going to be even worse because of the the further injury that he must have caused to his calf by playing that game last week. He came out. He's come out and said he's got 120 minutes left in him. I'm not sure. Just seeing how he was running down the field and his inability to get out of the pocket. Uh, made it really difficult there for for Green Bay in the in the first half uh, against against a not great Cowboys uh, secondary. So against the Seahawks secondary, I wonder about how Rogers uh, is going to hold up. He can only shoot himself up with uh, so much medicine. There's only so many shots he can take. The over under for this game right now is at 47. I think the only way I think the Green Bay can win this game is with the over. I think if, if you wanted to. If you are into sports betting, like some people we know, double down. Package those two things together because if it's a low-scoring game, that really means that the Seattle Seahawks defense just absolutely shut down Rodgers and his calf finally gave out. I think it's a good matchup for the Hawks. They've they had the opening game win against them. I know it's a long time ago, but uh, they're going to feel confident with them coming to Seattle. They can they can take care of business. In the other game, you got the Colts plus seven at the Pats. I've got the Pats winning this by seven with an Edelman to Brady winning touchdown throw in the last three minutes. I think this is going to be close uh, for most of the game, but the class of Brady 
should come through in the end to to clinch this uh, one for the Patriots. Brady, a Tom Brady receiving touchdown. Will, That's what will I see. Patriots fans be able to survive and actually watch the Super Bowl. Uh, it would just I see Tom sort of uh, maybe a little handoff to Edelman this time, and then just floating out bootleg style out to the right hand side. Edelman running all the way across backwards, and then turning around and passing it to Tom. I I think that I do think the Patriots will win. I like both the home teams this week. I think that the Patriots have a better shot at covering than uh, the Seahawks do. They um, Indianapolis they they haven't had the toughest road to get here mm-hmm. compared to who they played uh, versus New England. They they played that extra game in the wild card, and I think that. While Andrew Luck is is a great player, and I think this is this is really probably Brady's last shot to. He's not. I don't know if he'll be this close again, and I I don't think that they're going to let that slip through their hands, particularly at home. Uh, I haven't looked at the weather in New England, but Indianapolis is a dome team, mm-hmm. and they sort of lucked out in, in Denver that the the weather was was pretty crisp. Uh, it was cold, obviously, but there wasn't any moisture or anything in the air. And the way things have been up here in the, the Northeast, I don't see that happening this weekend. See, I did. I I agreed with you at first about the uh, the Colts early on that they'd had a sort of weak schedule, but you can only play what's in front of you, you know. And so Correct. they've 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 uh, they've done what they've had to do to get here. Uh, the big question mark is is just on Andrew Luck and how good he can be. T. Y. Hilton has gone missing a little bit as well these last few weeks. I don't know what's going on with that guy. Indianapolis has has a deep receiving core that I think the Seahawks would, would benefit from and the Seahawks don't have right now. But yeah. we talked about their running game or lack thereof, and what really kept uh, Baltimore down the field last week, I thought, was the fact that Justin Corsett racked up like 125 yards. Yeah, They really couldn't do anything of <laughs> that, and that that sort of having to keep the linebackers and plug the holes in the middle opened stuff up to the field of Flacco, mm-hmm. and Andrew Luck doesn't have anybody that could do that for him. The, the boom, the boom's exploding for two and a half yards to carry. No, you're out on the boom. I'm out on the boom. I'm not. I'm not even going to light the fuse. It's a dud. It's not going. It's not going to explode. It's more like a sparkler, actually. It's like those sparklers to get the, the four year olds on. Yeah, July yeah, Fourth of July. Like they have fireworks. Fantastic. That's the boom. You know, uh, a good friend of ours and uh, someone that may may have on the show at some point, and an avid gambler. Cena, uh, Casey Cena Biggs, when he acquired the boom this year in his fantasy football season in, in the league, the thrill is gone, but she won this year. Congratulations. Thank you. He thought that was going to be the turning point for his season and lead him to a championship. Oh, that tells you everything that you need to know about Nugsy. Uh, <laughs> that's only because he had a Mark Bradshaw on his, on his roster for a long time as well. And he was impressed with what he could do. Boom, boom. He's, 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 he's only got that right now. So, so. That's not much at all. Hey, speaking of the NFL, we've done, uh, you know, we're looking at these playoff teams. Outside those playoff teams, a lot of a lot of teams have already had their their end-of-season trips, their Mad Mondays, their drinking sessions. They've come back hungover from the Bahamas, and uh, and they've often fired most of the staff. In the, in the case of the Broncos, they basically just cleaned house there straight after that loss to the Colts on Sunday. We have three, six, seven vacancies for 2015, three of which have been filled, uh, and and some very interesting candidates for the other positions. Uh, let's start with the most interesting uh, uh, 
coaching job and hire, which I know you will have some opinions on. The Buffalo Bills have hired Rex Ryan to come in and, and take over what is already a very strong defensive team. And then uh, and he's about to hire a, a, a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator as well. Jim Schwartz is out there. How do you feel about Rex in Buffalo? Will he take to the, the snowy climbs there very well? Uh, is he able to to attach himself to the Buffalo crowd as well as he attached himself to the New York Jets crowd? Is this a good move for the Bills and for Rex? I think it's a great move for the Bills. The Bills, it's hard to get a loud personality in Buffalo, and Doug Marone certainly was not that. No. He was a, a grumpy old man who, who asked out and couldn't, couldn't take the cold, but uh, Sexy Rexy, despite the fact he's lost some, some weight, might have to wear an extra jacket up there. A lot of weight. He's, uh, he's already making noise, saying they're going to make the playoffs, so he's going to get to the next step. Uh, here's my, I have two issues with this. I think it's great hire for the Bills, but two, two issues. The first being, I think we're really deprived of getting uh, Rex on TV for yes. a year. Yes. I'd love to see him sit out. Maybe do something on CBS or uh, get him on uh, HBO. Still does their their weekly NFL show, but that's the perfect place for him. We get Rex on HBO talking talking football. That would have been great. We really, we really missed out there, and that's <laughs> that's disappointing for for everybody. And the secondly, the whole the, what didn't work out for Rex in New York. He dealt with the media fine. He built an incredible defense. He never had a quarterback, and he never had an offense. So you'd think that. You know, maybe if he's looking for a job, yeah, he might say, "All right, where where can I go that I have a quarterback in place, or Matty Ice? I can I can I can perhaps acquire the talent through free agency because it's a sexy destination. Yeah, not Buffalo, no Atlanta, like you mentioned. It's it's an odd fit. It makes me wonder what other offers were out there. Maybe maybe a Swiss was between uh, you know doing. Some show on HBO or the Buffalo job. <laughs> you chose Buffalo. I don't know. Um, Atlanta strip club, strip club capital of the U.S. would have been the perfect landing spot for Rex Ryan. I think. You know, it's, if you're, you're choosing between strip clubs in hot Atlanta or appearing in uh, Doctor Who music videos, <laughs> I know what I would choose. But maybe, maybe he likes the cold. He likes the state of New York. He likes the high taxes in this state that are just into his paycheck. Loves it. Uh, um, so, so mixed feelings about that one. Mixed feelings about the the Jets hire. They hired uh, the defensive coordinator from from Arizona, Todd Bowles. Yeah. I don't. Again, their problem hasn't been defense. I know. I feel the, the same way about the Bills. It's like these two teams, both the Bills and the Jets, they've had good, solid defenses for a couple of years now. They needed to build elsewhere. They need to build on offense, and they've brought in a, a defensive coordinator who. Sure, maybe he'll shore up the the defense and make it even better. Your boy Sheldon there will will probably relish this. Uh, That's Pro Bowler Sheldon Richardson. You sorry, Pro Bowler Sheldon Richardson will probably relish this hire. But what's it going to do to to help their help their offense? And I guess maybe their offense is uh, is unsavable at this at this stage. I think their offense might be Jameis Winston next year, which uh, oh, wow. is high comedy for wow value the the back page of the post. Once a week, that's going to be great. Imagine if Jamie's Winston and Swaggy P were both in New York at the same time. I, I, there's, there's only one back page. He needs he a mentor. Run, I guess. 
any of these other positions that you're kind of interested in at the moment? I mean, the ones that, that are still... Uh, the Raiders hired uh, Del Rio today. Uh, the 49ers hired their, some guy who was their defensive coach. I, and... I, I think that... So the Raiders have had... In the time since you have lived in America... Mm. Permanently. This is their fifth head coach. <laughs> well, who? Yeah, Dennis Allen. He moved here in 2010, for yeah. those who don't know. Yep. Tom Cable. Yep. Hugh Jackson. Dennis Allen. Sperano. Sperano on an intern basis. And now Jack Del Rio. That's... All the guys who were actually hired for that job were former coordinators. So I, I like that they've gotten and gotten a former head coach. Yep. Proven is, is a bit of a stretch. He, uh, Jack made the playoffs twice. He was in Jacksonville over those eight years. Granted, it is very difficult to make the playoffs in Jacksonville. We know that. My main question is whether he's going to bring Keep Chopping Wood. Keep Chopping Wood. Are you familiar with Keep Chopping Wood? I heard about it today. I read it for the. I read about it for the first time today. Uh, that's. Uh, I mean, I I know that it caused some injuries in the locker room. One major but, injury, I think. So, so Jack Jack brought. He wants his guys to. to Keep chopping wood. Keep keep on keeping on working towards the goal and grind. And that's great. That's a great metaphor. You've heard it elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, he took it to the next the next level and brought an actual stub and axe into the Jacksonville Jaguar locker room. And I, I think first of all those players there never probably they've only seen palm trees. They don't know what the hell this thing is. Yeah. Um, and one of the uh, the punter had an issue with the axe and his foot. I think he was out for the rest of the season. So, so, so if, if, if Keep Chopping Wood makes its way to the West Coast, I am in on this hire. If it doesn't, they could have done worse, I guess. He, he, he stepped in for uh, for John Fox, I think. When he, he did. He took over. Denver. Yeah, took over from Fox. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. And the other the other openings are the other openings are interesting. Which one do you think is of the open jobs? What is the best job? Um, I think the Bears' job is actually the best job. I think it's better than the Broncos' job because the Broncos are so tied up in Peyton that if Peyton decides to retire, then you're kind of in a bit of a, a, a tough spot uh, trying to rebuild that team and work out which direction it's it's going to go. The Bears, they've just hired a new GM, and they've got all those weapons there. If they can sort out the Cutler problem, which the solution, by the way, is getting rid of him, uh, if they can sort out that problem... And uh, and pick up a, a fairly decent free agent, or go with our friend uh, Jimmy Clawson, maybe for for a, a bit of a start there. Uh, maybe there's maybe there's a future there for the Bears. Maybe there's a future there for the Bears. I think the Bears are the proven team that winner, Jimmy Clawson. proven winner Jimmy Clawson, or maybe they maybe they tool up in the draft. Maybe they tool up in the draft as well, but the Bears. I think that Bears spot is 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 crying out for a, a a good coach to take him to the next level. I I would take the Atlanta job, and here's why: the the Bears have always built their reputation on defense. Right now, there is no defense; it's a shambles, and that that's one thing. If you have the quarterback position figured out on the opposite side of the ball, and they don't have that either, yeah. No offense to your your uh, your friend. Jimmy Clawson, you know, I'm just convinced you're pin pals, but I don't know. But <laughs> there's something weird going on there, and I don't really want to know about it. He'll be on the pod next week. The the Atlanta Falcons, their their team was, again, like it seems like it's every year now, they're hit so hard by injuries. But they have at least some of the defensive personnel in place. Uh, guys like 
Sean Witherspoon you might be familiar with if I, he's able to come back from his porn Achilles if he's ever not if he's uh, never not injured William William Moore who has some great rap videos Willie Moore YouTube uh, they got some pass rushers there they got Bavino and um, they have Matty Ice yeah and they have Julio Jones yeah they got some pieces and Roddy White's getting up there but I mean so is Brandon Marshall so you could argue the wide receiver that's true weapons are about the same that's true you need a running back you can people find running backs yeah that, that they'll figure that out. Um, I would take the Atlanta job. They're also about to get a really cool new stadium that is, is going to rival Jerry's World, and their owner likes to spend money. So that is true. Well, it'll be interesting to see where it pans out. We're keeping up to date each week and, and just checking in on the coaching carousel. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit to college football. Adam, what happened on Monday night? Run me through. I wasn't able to watch the game myself. I've seen some highlights, obviously. I was particularly interested in the Ohio State Buckeyes. Australian punter Cameron Johnston, the little redhead from Melbourne, who brought home, I think, maybe the first college football, well, it's obviously the first college football championship, but I think maybe the first Australian ever to play you, in, a, in that kind of game. You would have been disappointed because he didn't have to punt much. I think he made they, three punts. Yeah, it was, um, this game, this game was, not even close, and uh, the spread, I think, for this was nine or nine and a half. I mean, and that, this is the third game in a row where Ohio State, third elimination game in a row, essentially, going back to the Big Ten title game where this team was, was an underdog, mostly due to their quarterback situation, and they just absolutely plowed through. Um, their pass rush was all over Marietta, Oregon. As a result, there were a lot of frustration fouls and penalties. They, um, they, it wasn't all in Mariota. Mariota had a great game. He declared for the draft today. I think we're all pretty sure he's going to be the first pick. Yep. But there were two or three really key third downs in the first half where um, Oregon was, I believe, either tied or maybe even up by a few points at one point. And their receivers were just dropping wide open passes. And uh, it was a depleted receiving core there through injuries and uh, marijuana suspensions. Which is the whole You're going to get those. Issue. But uh, you're going to get that. These are college kids. You're yep. going to get that. And um, their, their, their defense just could not do anything to stop uh, Ezekiel Elliott, the sophomore running back for Ohio State, probably an early Heisman bear for next year. He had three touchdowns, I believe, and 240 yards. A national, national championship record, third straight 200-yard running game. Unbelievable. Uh, all of which have come in in these elimination games. And then Cardale Jones is, is a freaking tank. Yeah. I mean... He's huge. He, every time it was third and two or fourth and one or third and three, he just plunged forward and fall forward. He's six foot five and no one... He's, people are bouncing off like ping pong balls. You so, know, I... Uh, it was an upset and uh, it was another... You know, if you follow college football closely, you... The, What's the most fun is when a team that's not a blue blood program like an Ohio State, an mm-hmm. Alabama, a Nebraska, a Florida State, a Florida, Miami, <coughs> wins the national title. And yet again, it's, uh, it's one of those schools you, you always hear about. So I called my uh, my assistant, Reed, on the, the morning after. He's a uh, University of Oregon alum. He's uh, a duck. He's a duck. He's a duck from way back. He was devastated. And he, he expressed the opinion... We said two things. One, he thought they got overpowered and just bullied, uh, which I've seen written a, a fair bit as well. But the other question he had was, you know, it's been 10 years since the Ducks have actually won anything. 
they've performed very well over that period of time, but they just seem to fall at the final step. And he thinks they're they're destined to perennially be the the bridesmaid. Uh, it it seems like they could be the way, especially ha- seeing they're going to have to rebuild next year with without Mariota there. They'll they'll reload. They've got a, a stud quarterback coming in as a freshman. There's a guy that that's had a couple of seasons under the belt as backup who is highly regarded as well. Um, I thought this was interesting. I heard this on a, another podcast earlier in the week. So they typically before we had this playoff system. You had about five weeks from the conference championship games, and you know you'd always have conference championship winners if your conference had a championship game in the in the final between that game and the national championship. This year, you had the New Year's Day games, which were awesome. Yeah, and then you had essentially eleven days between between that game and the next game. So you got a couple days two weekends, and then a week in between, essentially, where you have most of your practices. Oregon was actually back in school during that week. Interesting. So they, when, when the school is in session, there are regulations about how many hours you can practice. That includes watching film, all that stuff. Oh, wow. Uh, Ohio State was not, which means that they they could use as much time as they wanted. Now, I don't know if that, how much of a role that plays, but I found that pretty interesting. That is. It's almost like it was, uh, well, obviously not rigged, but... Uh... It puts them obviously at a disadvantage. They have to. They wouldn't surprise me to see them change their entire uh, semester program there, academic calendar, to just make sure that doesn't happen again next year. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's an unfavorable circumstance, I guess you could say. Yeah. And now, now with Ohio State, that Cardale Jones, their quarterback who has played three career games, is considering going pro. I saw that, but I surely not. Surely not. I thought uh, that you can't go off the back of three games. He came out and said, I think, I mean, he's considering it, but he was also pretty realistic about it. That well, well, he, but here's, he, the, here's the issue, though. So they have, they have three quarterbacks on the roster that are all studs. Mm-hmm. You've got Braxton Miller, who got hurt before the season started, hurt his shoulder, yep. was a two-time Big Ten player of the year going into the season. Yep. He, he, he has a degree. So he can transfer without sitting a year out of here, and there was Oregon and Florida State rumors. He now says he's coming back. You have J.C. Barrett, who played Stepped the up. season up until the last game, yep. got hurt, was a hyphen candidate. He's not going anywhere. And you have Cardale Jones now, who just won the three biggest games of the season, including a national championship, lit it up in all three of those games. And he's probably coming back, too. You know, what it, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, when the Jets had that Mark Sanchez, Tim Tebow logjam at quarterback. Oh, yes. Uh, and, and another guy that's now on TV, too, uh, McElroy. And McElroy. And they, they, they worked it. They, Rex threatened to use them in all these different kinds of packages, but it just didn't really work out. Your team only wants one leader. It's, it's sort of the mirror. It's, it's a, it's a, it's, you have three bad quarterbacks, and I have three very good quarterbacks. Uh, to me, it makes sense for Braxton to leave and the other two to battle it out. But, yeah. um, you know, if, if, if the alternative for this Cardale Jones kid is that it's, like, it's better for him and he gets drafted in the later round and sits on an NFL bench yeah. than to sit on a college bench and have people forget about it. Well, his stock probably will never be higher as well. Is and, and his stock will never be higher, and Barrett is younger. Yeah. So they're gonna, you always go with the younger guy if the talent's equal. Well, I'm sure whatever it is, Urban Meyer will have a plan. 
Uh, speaking of next year, though, who's leading your power rankings for next year? Who who are the four teams you think are going to make it into the the playoff uh, playoffs next year? Which I thought the playoffs were obviously a huge success this year. Uh, it's never too early. It's never too never early. too early. These projections are guaranteed to be wrong. Yes, but um, I like next year. Um, I think that I think that you're definitely going to have an SEC team there, mm-hmm. and I think I'm going to go ahead and say that's going to be Auburn, not Alabama, which I think is going to be a popular pick. I really like with uh, Will Muschamp <coughs> uh, as far as having all of his skills affiliated with one side of the ball and zero skill on, on the opposite side. Of the Interesting. Ball. Uh, he's the college version of that, and I like the young quarterback they have coming in, Jeremy Johnson, to replace. Big Marshall, who just didn't seem that uh, that intelligent, but he can throw the ball really far. He can throw the ball a long way. Coming back to, I like them. I like the TCU Horn Frogs in a big FEU season out of the Big Twelve. Yes, hashtag revenge will be everywhere next year for the Horn Frogs. I, I think that that's gonna. I I, I think that you're going to see a lot of. Um, they're going to run up the score a lot. A lot of hate it's fucking. Like Kansas, it's going to be a lot of uh, sixty-five to, to three or six. Yeah. And, but uh, that that's going to be a really fun storyline to watch, and, and I think that it's going to be a tough year for, for their competition in the Big 12. Oklahoma uh, doesn't have a quarterback uh, losing Doriel Green-Beckham, who never played a, a snap there. Uh, not that I, I care that much about that. Um, and I think out of the, uh, I think you're a Big 10 team. I think that Ohio State will be back. Everyone comes back for that team. Yeah. It's incredible how young that team is. Yeah. And then I think your final representation is going to come from the uh, the Pac-12. You got uh, Oregon Oregon coming back? So, so this, it's, I thought a lot about this, and I'm not so sure it's going to be Oregon. I think that... Don't tell me you're going to jump on the Steve Sarkeesian bandwagon here. I, I think that USC is a... <laughs> I know, I know you're bitter of the Stark left Steve. you and the Huskies behind. I'm pissed. Uh, for, for Chris Peterson. I'm pissed. Have to deal with CP here. Uh, but Steve, yeah, maybe the Trojans did look good in patches this year. They, they were inconsistent, but they're getting their, their sanctions lifted. They're going to have more scholarships. And uh, they got a young quarterback. He's very good. Their running backs coming back. And, and their, their skill everywhere. I think that uh, I think the Trojans... Will ride again. I think that leaves the ACC out this year. That's uh, I really. I, it's going to be fun to watch Florida State flounder without Jameis Winston and anyone else that happens to maybe get arrested between now and the beginning of next year. I'm what gonna, do you think? Uh, I actually had a very similar top four to you. I had Ohio State, the Horn Frogs in their uh, in their revenge mode, um, and then the the difference comes with uh, instead of Auburn. I know Auburn is looking is looking positive. Georgia Bulldogs uh, are kind of rising in that in that uh, wow in that conference as well. Going to play quarterback? Uh, we don't know. We don't know yet. But uh, but a very well coached team. You like you like Nick Chubb? I'm <laughs> a huge Nick Chubb fan. You like it when the, ch- the Chubb hits the hole? I love it when the Chubb hits the hole. <laughs> Go Bulldogs! And then the final team is a team that you know I love very dearly and had perhaps. The best end of a season of any team, uh, regardless of where they finished up, the Arkansas Razorbacks, Pig Suey, rising and, and sort of building off that incredible back end of the season to make a late run 
into the top four for the for the uh, championship playoff next year. So it's, it's going to be really hard to see two teams from the same division get in. Yeah, uh, it's possible. It's possible though. I feel, like this is, I feel like this is your kind of team, this Arkansas Razorback team. I I have always been a big fan of the Razorbacks. They, they don't they don't throw the ball. No, their coach looks like a really large version of Burt from Sesame Street. Yep. He's got some swag. He's all hogs. He said this offseason when he uh, turned down the Nebraska job. But he couldn't take it because it's all hogs. I love that. I love that. I I just love the vibe that's coming out of that Razorbacks uh, program right now. They're cooking, they're cooking something up down there. We'll see. Missouri has to go go to, uh, to the house the house of the pig the last week of the season. So. Should be a huge game. Uh one last thing I want to hit before I let you go. Uh, NBA, it is, we sort of touched on a little bit earlier on with Cleveland. Uh, it is trade city right now. Um, we didn't see a very active deadline season last year. Just a few little moves here and there. This year, the Western Conference is so competitive that everyone's jockeying for every little, uh, every little piece that they can get. Brandon Wright has spent time now on three separate teams within the space of about two and a half weeks. Uh, over in the East, you've got teams tanking for all they've got, all they're worth. We talked about Calderon maybe moving on soon from the Knicks. The 76ers are uh, building some kind of project there. The Celtics are, are trading everyone. And then teams like uh, teams like uh, the Rockets, teams like Phoenix, teams like the Thunder, they're all looking for these pieces which are going to project them Hopefully into the playoffs in the in the Western side. What's your been your favorite trade of the season so far in the NBA? Well, I uh, I, I may be a little biased, but I love the Rajon Rondo trade mm-hmm. to Dallas. Uh, it's taken a little bit of time for them to sort of figure out spacing and things like, for instance, Rondo who throws a great lob pass. He hasn't realized that Dirk can't jump. No. That's just a lot of passes yet. <laughs> I can Chandler, sure, but Dirk doesn't really operate off the ground. Little little things like that are uh, taking time to figure out. They'll I learn. think that's a, that's a great trade, and they were getting absolutely torched by all the point guards in the West. Damian Lillard and yeah. uh, Russell Westbrook. Everyone on the Kings is, or on the Suns is a point guard, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> Tony Parker, et cetera. And, uh, you know, Rondo showed up and said, yeah, I haven't played defense in two years. This will be fun. Yeah. So... Uh, I mean, so many to choose from. Uh, I actually like a couple. I like the Mozgov trade, not for the Cavs. Uh, I like that one for the from Nuggets. Your perspective, the two first round picks for Mozgov. Unbelievable. Uh, talk about uh, talk about taking candy from a baby. I think the Cleveland. They, Cle- they gave up a first round pick in the J.R. Smith deal too. If you were a GM right now, you are just you would just be calling Cleveland the entire time and just offering players and, and offering stupid trades. See what they did. I also liked when Boston flipped Brandon Wright for a top twelve protected pick, uh, which I think will probably eventually. I think it's a Minnesota pick, uh, Timberwolves pick, might eventually turn into uh, two second rounders. But the amount of of tray of of draft assets that Boston is building is huge. It's almost like there's an arms arms race, arms war between the 76ers and the Celtics to see how many picks one team can have in a single draft. It's almost like Danny Ainge is in a coma, and his, his son, who I'm just going to assume is 15, uh, is playing a lot of Xbox. Yes, playing a lot of 2K15 and, and, and seeing how you can stockpile assets there. Uh, 
there have been a lot that go down. They've already gone down, but then we've got uh, the February 19th deadline coming up. What's your favorite trade that you'd like to see done uh, before that 19th, February 19th deadline comes around? Well, uh, I'm going to give you two. Um, first one is sort of, sort of under the radar. I'd like to see Kevin Martin get shipped to Chicago. Interesting. And I don't think you'd have to send any, anything of value back there because um, the Timberwolves, Want to be as bad as possible, mm-hmm. but um, with McBuckets injured, they could use some additional three-point shooting off the bench to come in behind behind Butler with the yep. second unit. Um, that's another place where it'd be fun to see Nate Robinson end up. He uh, had good playoff moments there during his, his one season. Yeah, I agree. And the the second one that I would like to see is uh, I'd, I'd like to see Lands of Maker Dance <laughs> reach freedom. And go to the Miami Heat. Oh wow! I thought you guys said I can't think of anything better than Lance and South Beach. I thought I thought you were going to say the New York Knicks there for a second, and I was getting really excited about oh. Lance, Swaggy P, Mello, and then There's I don't know who's running that point. Uh, There's only one. But Lance would love I, I, Lance would love Miami. I think I think he would love Miami too much, but I, I also think that the right now um, we've already seen Dwayne Wade miss some games yeah. and this would give them flexibility there and they're not a good team but I think that they're the way that they're run by Pat Riley and the fact that they uh, you know they were recently divorced from LeBron James that they're too proud to to miss the playoffs and also missing the playoffs in the is, is a really big accomplishment yeah. and um, if, if we have Detroit pegged for that last spot which I think they'll get that means either Brooklyn or Miami Fall out. Or Cleveland. Or, or Cleveland. It's never too late. Kevin uh, Love should just get traded. Maybe that's what we should see happen. I like that. I like that idea. The uh, the one I'd like to see is uh, I'd love Goran Dragic to go to Houston for the expiring Jason Terry contract and Isaac Cannon. Why, why would Phoenix do this? Phoenix does this because they finally realized that it's time to allow Isaiah Thomas to shine there in that backcourt. They declog the backcourt altogether. And they shift him over there. They get a couple of expiring contacts. Maybe they throw a pick in there as well. Phoenix is not going to win the Western Conference this year. So it doesn't matter whether they make the playoffs or not. They get a better pick. They retool. They get a bit more balance there in the backcourt. And they get ready for a huge run in 2016. Project's also about to be a free agent and has already been linked with returning to Houston. So that that helps the Rockets out a little bit if they get their business. Well, the Rockets need a point guard as so well. That's a scary team but that, if they make that move. The Rockets need a point guard of some kind uh, because Patrick Beverly is not quite getting it done. I know that they, it, you know, Harden sort of controls the ball there a lot and Harden's having an incredible season. Uh, but they, they need a point guard. They need someone to uh, feed the beast a little bit more with Dwight, who has looked like an absolute asshole out there on the court. How do you feel about the Kevin Garnett headbutt this week? Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not Garnett's biggest fan until he gets bought out and ends up on the Mavericks to reunite with uh, Rajon Rondo, <laughs> back up big. But uh, at this point, I can't fault anybody for for doing anything physically opposing to to Dwight Howard. Uh, he does not look like he's a fun guy to play with. He looks like a complete asshole. So. Uh... Yeah. Let's, let's say these, these trades, you know, whether they happen or not, gun to your head, we're going to be wrong. Finals pick, go. Finals pick? NBA finals pick. 
Right now. Right now, I think it's January fourteenth. I think it's the Toronto Raptors versus the Golden State Warriors. Wow. Which is a not a the you like you would never have picked that as a final at the beginning of the season, but the Raptors I think have quality. I feel like the Hawks will will flame out and die. The Bulls, I, I don't I don't quite trust that team yet. I'm not sure the power is really the answer there for them. And then the Cavs, I really don't believe in. So it's a, it's a it's a crapshoot there. The Warriors look like an absolutely jiving team. They get along so well. Uh, I don't know if you saw Draymond Green sunk a three overnight, and then went and hip bumped every single member of the bench in an amazing forty five second <laughs> timeout. Uh, yeah, how do we get the party with the with the Warriors? I, it, shame we're just now asking this. We should have talked about this at the beginning. Cause more listeners would have made it through, and maybe they would actually hook us up. It's got to be through. Warriors. It's got to be through Andrew Bogut. Well, so my my pick, if Bogut can get off, get get on his feet. Yeah, I like the Warriors and the Bulls. Okay. Without Bogut, I'm going to go with the Mavericks and the Bulls. Oh, that's such a what a classic Homer pick there. I like I the like Mavs. I'm just not fun. sure they. I'm not sure they make it through. I'm hearing a lot of people who are liking the Thunder to get to get into that that final series. But we have to see more from Russell Westbrook. He's had a he's had a tough few weeks with Durant back, and now you've got <laughs> Neon Neon Waiters there in the in the backcourt as well, asking for the ball. I'm just not <laughs> sure how that Thunder, works out. The Thunder are three games down under. Yeah. Uh, they, and, and I don't I don't actually see how they get further up than eight. I don't think they can. Seven, and they're going to improve. And then from there, you got a three game difference up to the Clippers, and then Dallas, Memphis, etc. If we get a Golden State and Oklahoma City first round, oh, series, that's going to be a bloodbath. That is going to be an epic seven game series. So I don't know a lot a lot to to digest there. We might have a bit more of a focus next week on uh, on the NBA. Well, I think we'll be uh, we'll, we'll be talking NBA. We'll be talking Super Bowl matchup. Talking next. Super Bowl matchup. Talking Pro Bowl. So a lot to cover oh, next talk, week. Talking Pro Bowl. Maybe we'll do some Pro Bowl prop bets. Oh wow! Wing expert. That's the one game of the year you definitely should not bet on. Oh, those are some, those are going to be some silly prop bets. Say, so, can you, can you even get like four to four to one odds on which quarterback catches a touchdown first or something? That I would be interested to see. Who are the quarterbacks in the game? Are they they've I've obviously announced them. I haven't I haven't seen who's in those lineups. Oh, I haven't I haven't checked at all. But uh, it's what they'll do now is it's whoever wins this week those. Uh, the Super Bowl teams, anyone on their squad that's on the Pro Bowl will be subtracted. Well, you saw... <laughs> you saw, though, uh, you saw that it's meant to be coached by the two highest losing teams out of last week, and both of those coaches have just been... One of them is the Denver Broncos. is meant to be... John Fox is meant to be coaching. So I'm not sure he's going to coach them. Uh, right now you've got... Oh, I've just loaded up a thing here. Tom Brady, Andrew Luck... Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, Tony Romo. So, take your pick there. I can't see Romo Peyton making the... Uh, Peyton won't play. Uh, the trip. The possibility of getting injured won't play. Yeah. I can't see those guys catching a touchdown pass. I mean, that's a bad profit. No. So, uh, but we'll take a look at that next week. As always, thanks for listening. Adam, thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. See you next week. See you next week on the Dingo.